pray with me, please? Lord, it is so easy for our minds to go in 10 different directions. There are so many things to distract us. But when we read your scripture, and especially when we read a passage like the one that's before us this morning, we want to be able to focus, to hear, to receive, and to respond. Come Holy Spirit, help us in these next moments. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Scripture is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, beginning at verse 26. Perhaps the most sobering passage in all of Scripture. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. And they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us! And to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. 
Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we're continuing our sermon series, all from the Gospel of Luke with the title, The Center of the Story. Two weeks ago, Pastor Matthew began this series by talking about prayer and power. And last Sunday, George Tan continued by looking at Pilate and Barnabas, Barabbas. Today, Our scripture reading picked up where George Tan stopped last week. But I'm not going to look at the whole passage, really just one phrase, one verse. Father, forgive them. And so I ask you to hear me out for the next few minutes as we talk about this brief prayer, the person who prayed, and the purpose of the prayer. So first, the prayer. Now, the passage starts with a scene that is filled with drama. It's the second parade of that holy week. But this time at the parade, there's no joy. It's a time for weeping. And as you imagine the picture, you see the soldiers leading, followed by Jesus, And then Simon coming, carrying the cross. And then a whole lot of other people following along. It's noisy, but it's noisy with weeping. And right in the midst of that chaotic scene, Jesus speaks to the crowd, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Now, I doubt that people understood those words that Jesus spoke. You and I have the advantage that we can look back from here and we understand that Jesus was predicting an event that was still 40 years away, the destruction of Jerusalem in that year 70 AD when the temple was well, was destroyed. And that event in 70 AD was as terrible as Jesus makes it sound. Now, by the time we get to verse 33 in the reading, Luke tells us 
they've arrived at Calvary. They includes two criminals. These two also are to be executed that day. Now, as we look at the passage, we realize that everything is being taken away from Jesus. The jeers, the ridicule from the crowd are are stripping him of his honor. His fearful disciples have already disappeared from the scene. His life itself is soon to be taken. And as the soldiers are preparing the cross for the execution, they even took away all the clothes of Jesus. No indignity was spared to him that day. Nothing was retained by him. He is to be poverty-stricken, isolated, humiliated, and crucified. And as the scene goes on, the soldiers roughly placed him against that cross, and you can hear the sound of the hammers as they begin to drive the nails into the flesh. And so the physical torture has begun. And in that period, Jesus remains quiet. And his silence is in contrast with the taunts of the crowd and the orders of the executioners and the screams of the two men who are being placed on the other crosses. And then Jesus speaks. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now you and I recognize these words as the first of the seven sayings on the cross. We've already read from Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah wrote those words 600 years earlier. They are so vivid in anticipation of that terrible day at Calvary. I want you to hear them again. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Isaiah saw it from a great distance. But the Calvary people saw it up close. So right in the midst of what Jesus experienced on that horrible day, he prayed, Father, forgive them. That was the prayer. Now let's think about the person who was praying. It was the God-man who was praying that afternoon. And that brings us face to face with the mystery of mysteries, the greatest of all mysteries, that God can become human. How can that be? Yet a few days later, the Apostle Thomas was given insight and he recognized the incredible reality that this being was both God and man. And Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. The person who prayed that day was God and also human. Jesus, that Jesus was someone who can't be tempted well, actually, I, my notes say who can be tempted because he was, wasn't he, for 40 days. That Jesus was someone who can be tempted, who can be lonely, who can feel pain, who can die. And yet that same Jesus had lived his entire life without sinning even once. This amazing prayer, God forgive them, is spoken by the one who is both God and man. So we can say that God was praying. We can say a perfect man was praying. We can also say a high priest was praying. No matter who it was who was praying, how could God answer that prayer? How can God forgive sin? How can God forgive what seems to be to us to the, be the worst sin that was ever committed in the history of the world? Is not the Bible clear in telling us that God says to us, obey or die? Have we not always heard that a holy God must push away sinners into an everlasting darkness. Isn't that what we know to be true? But wait, wait. There is a priest standing before God at that cross. It is Jesus, our priest, who is saying, Father, forgive them. With that prayer, Jesus is saying, 
I am their representative. I will be their mediator. I will stand between God and these people and will bring them together. You see, that afternoon on the cross, Jesus was also our priest. He was our mediator. As a perfect man, he could stand before God. Jesus could call on God to forgive sinners. It was decades later that the man who wrote the book of Hebrews brought it all together in Hebrews 10. He said this, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The writer of Hebrews is describing what was happening that day at Calvary and what it means for you and for me. You see, Jesus prayed for us that day. Father, forgive them. I will die for their sin. Sometime later, the apostle Paul summarized this amazing truth in one sentence in 2 Corinthians. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So we thought about the prayer. We thought about the person who prayed. And the third thing, let's talk about the purpose. The purpose. Why did he pray that way on that occasion? What was it he wanted? Well, we know that for 2,000 years, that prayer has been answered. What Jesus prayed that Friday at Calvary is still being answered as we sit here in March of 2023. I think one part of this prayer, I'm not saying it's the whole thing, but one part of what Jesus was praying is the idea of push back the judgment. Delay the judgment, God. Not today, not the year 30 AD, not the day of crucifixion. Don't have the judgment on this day. Push it back for a time. And you think, okay, now, what's the whole story of the Bible? Well, the human story begins with Adam and Eve, doesn't it? Adam and Eve given but one eating restriction. 
told that on the day they disobeyed that one instruction, they would die. And they did disobey. And they did die spiritually. But their physical lives continued for a long time. There was a delay in the execution of the judgment. And what is true of Adam and Eve is true all the way through the Old Testament period. Human sins did not receive the full punishment that was threatened. And as you read through the Old Testament, you sense that God is holding back. He's restraining that the curse has not been fully released, that there's a consistent warning of a greater judgment still in the future. And then came the day of crucifixion. Surely, on that horrible day, the forces of hell will be turned loose, and those who are doing evil will be destroyed, and you wait for that to happen that Friday afternoon, and then you hear Jesus praying, Father, forgive them. I wonder if part of what Jesus is praying at that moment is, Father, delay the execution. Hold back on the judgment. They don't know what they are doing. Why did God not destroy Adam, on, Adam and Eve on the very day that they sinned? Why didn't he let Noah drown with the rest of humanity? Why didn't he intervene on that terrible Good Friday at Calvary? Why is the fullness of judgment still being held back? And part of the answer is that ever since that Good Friday, Jesus has been bringing people into his kingdom. When Jesus prayed for a delay and the prayer was answered, it gave time for Pentecost a few weeks later. That delay waited for Peter to say to the crowd on Pentecost these words, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of a wicked man, you put him to death by kneeling to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. And thousands of people trusted in Jesus that day of Pentecost because judgment had been held back. And since that time, Millions upon millions have turned to Jesus for forgiveness and have escaped the ultimate judgment. On that Friday afternoon, God graciously heard the prayer of Jesus and he delayed judgment so that you and I could hear the gospel and could respond 
with faith in Jesus. When Jesus prayed, he prayed for a stay of execution until every last one of his people would turn to him and find forgiveness. And his prayer is being answered this very Sunday as the gospel of Jesus is being preached around the world and as people are responding in faith to him today. And throughout eternity, Jesus is going to be able to see the answers to his prayer as he looks out across heaven at the innumerable multitude who belong to him forever and ever. Thank God for that first of seven sayings on the cross, Father, forgive them. Let's pray. Lord, it must have been chaotic. It must have been horrifying. It must have been terrible. And yet it was Good Friday. It was a holy day. It was a day that opened the way for your people to be brought back, for your people to be forgiven, for your people to be saved. It opened the way for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we could assemble this day because we are your people, your answer to that prayer 2,000 years ago. Make us grateful today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.